<laughs> All right, so I'm bringing this one in, right? Yes. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, strap in, bitches. Here we go. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. December 7th, Earth 2, 1941, a world very much like our own, yet slightly different, a date which will live in infamy, a world at war, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. Welcome to episode. Okay, Mike, ready? One, two, three. 69, dudes! <laughs> there, we got it out of our system. Of the tales of the Justice Society of America. Whew, Scott, that's crazy. Yes. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> Strange things are afoot at the DC Bullet. <laughs> it doesn't quite work the same, though, does it? No. Oh, well. Anyway, I'm me, and you're you, and this is this, and I and think... we are we. I <laughs> <laughs> just need to get right we into we. And What do you think? You got any you got any preamble talk for this one, or did we... we... Actually, no. This, usually, this is usually what happens to peel the curtain back for 30 seconds. We, uh... We're recording this along with the previous um, episode in the same night, and usually we get all of our preamble talk out of the way in that one, so the next one has none whatsoever. <laughs> but that's not exactly a bad thing. And I'm kind of ready to get into what could be the most controversial episode of the series oh, we've yeah. ever done. Yeah, this this is going to be interesting. Ooh, 
this is going to be a study in in either we get mail or Scott really, really, really holds his tongue. One of the two. Feet <laughs> we'll don't find out me now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what we're talking about is All Star Squadron number thirty. And here's something I meant to mention last episode, and here's what I meant to mention two weeks ago. Where you see the issue number officially changed two months ago comic book time. It went from being kind of like, you know, the number and the month to the more traditional, or at least what I would consider traditional when I came into comics, rectangular box with the cover price, which is now 75 cents. Wow. When did that go up? Hmm. Uh, it has the cover date, and cover month and year, and the approved by the Comics Code Authority. And that all that first appeared in the December 1983 books. So, really meant to mention that last time, but <laughs> completely forgot. Maybe I should write it down in like notes or something. But <laughs> that's just that's just crazy talk. We have a cover where I think Scott and I have never wanted to be a supervillain more than on this cover because we got a guy wearing a black dragon symbol trying to stab Johnny Thunder. And he had it coming, too. While the Spectre, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, the Atom, and Wonder Woman <laughs> rush in. Though, frankly, do you need anybody but, but the Spectre? I mean, really. This is, like, overkill to save Johnny Thunder. I, I just want to point out that, except for the Spectre, if you follow all their other eyes, I have a theory that they are not rushing to his defense so much as there are sandwiches on the table behind the bad guy and they're actually coming in for the food because oh, I would imagine that they all have the same attitude I have looking at this cover, which is I'm pretty much okay with this. Dude, is that like from like a pizza place too? Oh, those are the best sandwiches. <laughs> Look, he's got munchkins. Oh, oh and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what were your favorite munchkins? The glazed ones. Mm. I like the blueberry ones. There's blueberry munchkins. There, it, it, it was this one time I got it. You know, like the blueberry cake donuts that they have. Yeah, they had those in munchkin form. Oh, it was really good. I'm glad I'll be I back in about a, a half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> is there a Dunkin' Donuts nearby? I think is there is. Four hours. The both of the ones in this area are not 24 hours anymore. It's I'll just find a police car to follow until I get to one. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, the credits on this one come from Roy Thomas, writer, editor, Mike Macklin, and Richard Howell. That was really bad. Guest pencilers, Sam De La Rosa and Mike Macklin, inkers, Cody Starchild, letterer, Dean (laughs) D'Angelo, colorist, and know that joke never gets old. It doesn't. This is the day of the... Well, you see, it's not strictly Cody Starchild because somebody actually fights in this issue. Um... (laughs) i've said it before and i've said it again jam de mateus i have nothing but respect for you as a writer a book about an intergalactic civil war is not the place to have your freaking peace nick story okay sometimes you don't fight yeah and sometimes the empire kills you 
Yeah, uh, you know, I would think that the, the the words on the cover would pretty much give away what the concept is. It's Star Wars, not Star, you know, Peacenik Pussies or whatever. You know, it's, come on. Um, story title is Day of the Black Dragon. The quote, I am for catching every Japanese in America, Alaska, Hawaii now and putting them in concentration camps. Congressman John Rankin, Congressional Record, December 15th, 1941. Ooh, that's a kind of a powerful way to start things off. Wonder Woman arrives at the Parisphere to find Liberty Bell alone and preparing for the first general meeting of the All-Stars. The two chat about recent events and the fact that Wonder Woman is the Society's secretary before Wonder Woman sits down to write out the Society's most recent adventure. February 16th, 1942. The meeting room and the Smithsonian that serves as the headquarters to the Justice Battalion. Hawkman is briefing the group on the Black Dragon Society via an old scroll. Whatever. And reminds us that the War Department has kept them out of most of the action recently, waiting for that group to make its move, even though the world nearly ended. (laughs) Suddenly, Major McNichols comes into the room and informs them that the eight American inventors have been kidnapped and their weapons stolen. They're not sure if it's the Black Dragon Society, but the battalion has to deal with the situation or something might happen that would make Pearl Harbor look like a tea party. Shockingly, the group splits up to check out one-eighth of the kidnapping, leaving Wonder Woman behind because the plot didn't call for nine scientists to be kidnapped. Though why they make Wonder Woman stay behind and let Johnny Thunder go, I will never Mm -hmm. freaking know. One of the Feld inventors heard a spy mention Grant Peak, which is where Hawkman heads to. He finds the Black Dragon Society and spends a few pages kicking some serious butt Jack Kirby style until he is knocked out and taken prisoner. Hawkman comes to and finds himself strapped to an air... air I knew I was going to screw that up. Hawkman comes to and finds himself strapped to an airplane propeller that will pretty much end him if the Black Dragons have their way. The propeller begins to spin just as Indiana Jones and that bald guy show up and start fighting. (laughs) Hawkman slips free of his bonds and after crashing into some trees, regains his senses and chases the aircraft he was just strapped to. The Black Dragons unleash a bomb onto New York, but Hawkman manages to change its course and the bomb goes off in the water instead of Wall Street. Similar scenes play out with the rest of the society. Dr. Fate fights a flame-throwing tank in the Southwest. And if you think that sentence was easy to say, you've obviously never had to say it. Dr. Midnight keeps the spies from making off with a death ray. <laughs> that, that pretty much spells out what it is, isn't it? There's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no tap dancing about the, the, the ultimate attempt, <laughs> intent what? of this thing. <laughs> what does this machine do? It's a death ray. Oh, okay, very good. <laughs> The Spectre saves both a scientist and his rocket bomb. Startman... Okay, okay, I'm gonna... I've never had to say this word in my entire life. Starman takes on both a dirigible... Mm -hmm. I did it! Very good. That was acting as a flying aircraft carrier and the American planes the dragons hope to launch against an American city. Sandman invades a hidden sub to rescue the secret of modern Greek fire that burns even on water. The Atom has more of an adventure and teams up with a man named Mori Fushido to track down a powerful (laughs) explosive powder. 
Mori leads the Atom to a restaurant that the dragons are using as a front, and with Mori's help, the Atom takes out the dragons and finds where the kidnapped scientist is. Finally, Johnny Thunder is quite upset that his T-Bolt dropped him into the middle of a group of black dragons. He sends the Thunderbolt away to save an airplane factory the dragons are going to destroy with an experimental dissolver. T-Bolt has no choice to do what his master says, even if Johnny should have had the genie save him, and then the airplane factory. But I think we've proven time and again that Johnny Thunder is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He gets back just in time to see Johnny about to get about to be stabbed by one of the dragons and uses Johnny saying if only the other JS air JS airs could see this as an excuse to bring the society or battalion I guess to the scene. One huge fight scene later the dragons are in custody with the Adam adding that there is virtually no sentiment amongst the Issei and the Nisei for the greater East Asia co-prosperity sphere. With that, Wonder Woman is finished with her entry, and she talks about the anti-Japanese feelings in America. Belle thinks that Wonder Woman doesn't fully understand the American people yet, and adds that while they make mistakes, they're basically a fair people. Wonder Woman still has her doubts. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., President Roosevelt signs Executive Order 9066, issued on February 19, 1942. As an eventual result of this order, more than 100,000 persons of Japanese ancestry living in the U.S., most of them natural-born citizens, will be interned in hastily erected relocation centers, stripped of their prosperity for the duration, denied their civil rights. And there's a little more commentary there that I'm not willing to get into just yet. Because <laughs> it's, it's coming, Clyde. Wait up. All right, the notes for this. The events transcribed by Wonder Woman in this issue as Secretary of the JSA are adapted fr- yeah, adapted from All-Star Comics number 12, generally referred to as The Black Dragon. The Hawkman, Adam, and Johnny Thunder solo chapters from the 1942 story are the only ones that receive more than a single recap. While not, finish- while not wishing to falsify what had been written in the wartime version... Roy Thomas felt it advisable to admit certain racially offensive remarks and attitudes from the original story, though the word Jap was retained in the Adam segment for impact. Wandering through the Japanese spect- sector of San Francisco, the Adam says he knows the area about as well as I know Mars, foreshadowing All-Star Comics number 13, not many weeks in his future, when he'll be sent to the Red Planet in a Nazi rocket. The Adam chapter provides definitions of the terms Issei and Nisei as they relate respectively to Japan-born persons living in the U.S. and those born in the U.S. of Japanese parents and thus automatically American citizens. Liberty Bell is startled when Wonder Woman finishes writing out her entire account of the case while Bell's still scribbling away on the same page of her own All-Star Squadron minutes. All right, sir. It's up to you. You're first. Oh, uh, let's see. I already commented on the cover on this one. That was my <laughs> that was my lead off note. I still say I'm totally all right with this idea. Oh, uh, let's see. Page... Johnny will get out of this eventually, <laughs> <laughs> or not. Yeah, I, I'm good either way. <laughs> Page three 
the second narration box, the uh, the blue one there. Am I missing something here? Because you read it as saying uh, the place, and it says the special chambers donated for the duration by the Smithsonian Institution of Washington D.C. to the, and that's all that's in that box to in the my Justice copy. Society. Because that's what happened. They that was their meeting hall was the Smithsonian, and I know that only because of that Action Comics issue of Time and Time Again where right. Superman heads to the Smithsonian to meet up with the Justice Society. Right, but in your copy, does it just end with the yeah, word it just the? ends with the, yeah. Yeah, I think there was actually supposed to be a logo or something in that space there. You know what? It looks forgot. like there should be. Yeah, I You're think they just forgot right. to put something in right there. Maybe if they ever reprint this in one of the future... Um, showcase because the showcase presents got solicited folks it's for reals yes i'm excited about that now solicitations i saw it and went yes <laughs> now i have to get a copy page to five the show. Oh, i'm sorry <laughs> to support the show yes well we'll have to figure out a way to uh to pimp that where hopefully we can get some sort of a kickback from it in in some way or another well, you know, if people order that through Amazon, <laughs> there you go. Maybe by going to the two truefreaks.lipson.com website and using the Amazon link at the top. There you go. When is that solicited for? Do you know? April. Is it April? Cool. Yeah, it was like four months from now. I'd have to. I'd have to look again. No, no, that's cool. I just meant ballpark. Hmm. Page five, this just kind of made me snicker. You've got that uh, General, uh, is it General? Major, whatever he is. Major. Major Nicholson walks in. Actually, I thought it would have been, or it was McNichols, wasn't it? Yeah, Major McNichols. I thought it would be funny if it was actually Christy McNichols that walks in. But anyway. She is kind of (laughs) mannish. Yes, this is very true. He walks in and he's talking away and he says, uh, thank God you JSAers are at full strength. We heard some of you uh, had been banging up, fighting that three-eyed, and he stutters. He goes, uh, and off in the background, you've got just got the specter. And I imagine he just says it in kind of like a little voice. He just goes, his name was Kulak. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> I just like how he's just, that's like the only thing he says, I think. <laughs> um, same page, uh, panel two. They all decide to split up, and it's Hawkman that says, eight inventors, that means one of us will stay here. Wonder Woman? And I'm thinking, he's either a sexist or an idiot or both, you know? Come on. <laughs> Six of one, half a dozen of another yeah. in this case. I mean, come on. I mean, next to the Spectre, she's probably the most powerful member of the team, but just because she's a girl, she has to sit out? That's just stupid. That's that's not good. You know, Make one of these, make the blind guy stay behind. (laughs) Come on. All right, so uh, so page three, this again begs this question. I still don't know if this has been addressed properly. Uh, Or excuse me, page uh, five, rather, panel three. 
we get to the part where, all right, you know, the, the action's on. We're all going to split up. Here's, you know, the plan has been laid. And uh, Johnny Thunder's thinking to himself, about time to Navy uniform or no. I was getting barnacles waiting around. And I'm thinking, you know, is the military cool with this? Was was it the president himself that pulled these guys off of their regular military duty? Or are they still supposed to be somewhere in uniform? I, that, that's been a little bit vague up to this point. Because someone later in this issue actually comments about, I think it's the Adam says something about, you know, well, you know, since I got out of the army, and I'm thinking, dude, you just you just enlisted like three <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, they, um, I, it's really kind of strange. I don't really know even know how to how to comment on it because it is kind of weird. I guess if you go through basic training, which I guess they did. Mm-hmm. maybe you feel like a deeper connection to being in the military because you've gone through that process where they break you down and build you back up. I mean, you right. went through basic training. So, right. I mean, that's something you should probably be able to... Re- I don't know what basic is like in the Air Force. So, uh, But I mean, you know, I, I, I've known people that went through basic and you know washed out at the end or didn't didn't last longer you know i wouldn't call those people veterans you know i wouldn't no. say that they went through the you know yet these guys are kind of considered to be that way and i mean if that's literally what happened is they got through basic and then you know were then pulled away from that duty to to serve in this guy I, I don't know that that works you know what i mean i mean yeah. I, as far as being considered to actually have done their duty for their country you know what i mean i, I mean yes they're you doing duty <laughs> but i mean how you know years later how do you explain that to the kids you know well what did you do during the war dad well you know i went through basic training and then well that was pretty much it you know it's like <laughs> that how does that work why is there a funny costume in your closet, Dad? Yeah, exactly. Page uh, page seven, the first panel there, the masks on these guys remind me a lot of the uh, original uh, Batgirl, the, the mask that she would wear, that red and green thing. You know, you know what they look like to me a little bit, especially on the next page? It looks like a Ditko Iron Man villain. Yeah. That's really strange. It's a little bit of the Mandarin in there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Let's see. Page 12. We've got the guy in the in the first panel. He's, he's spouting off, you know, typical villain dialogue here. And he says, we must pursue the man who soars. Slice him out of the sky before we can renew our attack. And then the next panel, you've got Hawkman saying, so you've decided to carve the bird, eh? And I'm thinking, Hawkman heard that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, now I want to I have a panel with, uh, with what's his name, Timmy or whatever from Superman 3 going, Here, he can hear me. He has hawk hearing. <laughs> it's like, come on, what? How does that work? And that happens a lot in comics, too, where if, if you stop to think about it, there's like some wickedly loud noise where there's no way that they could hear somebody, you know, in a plane or a car or something like that. You, yet you've got the hero, you know, holding a conversation with the person that that happens a lot. It's one of those uh, cliches I kind of want to see go away. The uh, next to last panel on that same page, you've got Hawkman chucking these guys out of that propeller thing 
And he says, you've got parachutes, and I've called a flock of my duck hawks to see who all landed in an army encampment. What the hell is a duck hawk? Is well, that a real like a thing? Turducken. What? It's kind of like a turducken. What's that? You've never heard of turducken? No. Okay, it's a it's a dish served around the holidays. It's a duck stuffed into a turkey stuffed into a chi- a chicken stuffed into a duck stuffed into a turkey. Ugh, I don't know about that. And then they slice it like cake. Okay. You have layers of different meat. It looks absolutely horrible. <laughs> I would think so. And, and, and though there's an ad now of wild turduckins, and they computer generated what a turduckin would look like <laughs> before it was killed. It was funny. Right. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> On page thirteen, the first panel, you've got a scene that looks like. It kind of reminds me of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that that scene in the desert, right? Mm -hmm. You've got this, like, desert valley type of thing. There's even a cactus off to one side. But instead of Indiana Jones on his horse, you've got Dr. Fate zipping around. And this tank has a flamethrower on the front of it, and it's shooting at Dr. Fate. And Dr. Fate is thinking to himself, those flames would eat up my oxygen, you know, the one thing that he's invulnerable to. And I'm thinking, yeah, if you like you were in a box, you're outside. <laughs> idiots. I mean, this thing is not going to burn out the atmosphere. OK, you're fine. You're not going to run out of air. And then uh, the tank um, goes over the edge with Dr. Fate and his helmet kind of spins around <laughs> and Naboo stands over it and goes, Junior. And then Dr. Fate stumbles up behind him and he hugs him and I choke up because I always choke up at that scene. <laughs> no fooling, I do, dude. Yeah. When he, hug, when he hugs Indy, it's powerful. That is a good scene. I like that. Same page, next panel, the second panel. I think this would be I think this would be awesome if after Dr. Fate throws his smoke bomb and says, I'm a doctor too, friend. And we'll see how you like my medicine. The next word bubble should be, where are you? (laughs) And where are my pants? (laughs) You are still in the room, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, but the blind thing with Dr. Fate never gets old, in my opinion. Especially when they let him drive. I know. He didn't get to drive this issue, unfortunately. Uh, Let's see. Page 16. Okay, now granted, the Adam has not been, you know, the the most gracious uh, person here in this situation. He he's been kind of a kind of a jerk about the whole, you know, this this pal of his that he's teamed up with is is a you know is of Japanese descent and all that. You know, but he has apologized, and you know he's trying to do better. Well, they're rushing down into this tunnel. And Adam asks the guy that he's with, he says, by the way, what's Morty short for? And the guy says, you couldn't pronounce it. Well, now who's being the racist butthead? What, <laughs> just because he's a white guy, he can't pronounce a Japanese name? That's a little presumptuous, I think. Kind of just <laughs> seemed a little wrong to me. Uh, let's see, page 18. 
fourth panel. Okay, this is a head scratcher for me. You've got uh, the Thunderball is trying his best to rescue Johnny, but he needs Johnny to actually command him to rescue him, which he doesn't. And the Thunderbolt just goes ahead and rescues him anyway. Now, I have issues with that to begin with, but I'm going to let that slide for now. The part that that just made me scratch my head with this is you've got the Thunderbolt go, hmm, that may not be a technical uh, Badnesian wish, but he's still got a few seconds of his hour left. What? But what is he talking about? He's not our man. <laughs> It is no is is he implying here that Johnny only gets to command him for an hour? Cuz I've never heard that before. I have never heard that either. So yeah, something there doesn't doesn't jibe. I I don't know what that's all about. Um unless like did did Johnny not you know did Johnny tell him not to come back and until for an hour or so? I just I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm very not, weird. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. But yeah, some somehow there I think the I think the T-ball confused Johnny Thunder and Hour Man or something. Something weird's going on there. Uh page 19. I love this. You've got it's a, it's actually a really nice splash page, and you've got uh, each one of the JSAers is taking out a bad guy, and each one of them is saying something corny, like, you know, Hawkman smacking two guys' heads together and going, heads, I win. And Dr. Fate's slamming a guy's head into the wall and going, how about a little drum music, friend? You know, everybody's saying something pretty corny. And the caption box says... And if their uh, verbal assault uh, didn't quite equal the finesse of their physical one, perhaps they can be forgiven under the circumstances. I'm thinking, now that's kind of a dig to the original story, you know? Hey, if you... Well, yeah, but in story, if you had been left behind and Johnny Thunder got to go out, I'd be a little mad, too. (laughs) This is true. Why is it written here and for like five pages after this adventure is recounted, I hate men? What's going <laughs> Page uh, 21, the first and fourth panels. I really like how Wonder Woman looks in those two panels. Mm-hmm. But this artist team, I think they do have a bit of a problem with female faces. They have problems every once in a while in general um i don't think they were the strongest art team this is true this is true the art was a little inconsistent in uh, Mm -hmm. several places in this i noticed um let's see my last note for the actual issue itself is probably very much in line with with where you're headed so I'll, i'll just make it brief that uh i thought this issue was very preachy in several different spots. It starts right at the beginning of the issue with, with Wonder Woman delivering her whole, well, you know, not everybody that blah, blah, blah is an enemy of America. And, well, you know, Wonder Woman, during wartime, yeah, they kind of are. You know, it's kind of what war is all about. It's not pretty. And some of the things that are done or said in wartime isn't the, you know, isn't all about political correctness. It's about getting the war won. So it just irritated me. I don't like being preached at. Not to mention the fact, didn't we already have this conversation and address this issue a few issues back with Firebrand? 
I'm pretty sure we did. So it just seems like we're, we're really being preached at and we're kind of beating a dead horse uh, with this issue. But that, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Um, I did have a, uh, a one question for you in that uh, All-Star Companion number two. It says that not many weeks in the future we'll see the Atom go to the Red Planet. And I know what storyline they're referring to, but isn't that near the end of All-Star Squadron? Thankfully. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's... I hated that story. Yeah, me too. I I detest it, but I remember it because I detested it. But that's like years from now. That's that's like almost three years from now in comic time, but that's only a few weeks in their time? Yeah, because they didn't get much into 1942 by the end of this series. Yeah, that's nuts. Because Young All-Stars begins in 1942, I think around June. That's crazy. So yeah, that make that makes sense, even though it takes a while to get there. Um, I do not look forward to covering those issues. Yeah, that that wasn't a particularly good story because he was by that point, if I remember right, Crisis was over, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so he was still trying to do the retcon game and make sense of silly Golden Age stuff at a point where it was pretty much a moot point anyway, because it had all been retconned away. Mm-hmm. And Unfortunately. I, and isn't that one of those stories, like you were saying before, where instead of retelling it, he pretty much just reprinted the original stuff? Uh, I think they actually did new art. Did they? For those. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I remember just not liking it at all. The covers were nice, but yes, I remember not were, liking the story. Really nice, and all. I remember the JSA's back, and I went, "Thank God." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank God. So, um, is that all you had? Yeah, that was pretty for, much it for the comic. Okay. Um, like you said, the art team is, is very inconsistent. I don't know if Mike Macklin and Richard Howell were drawing separate parts. Uh, kind of makes sense because the some of the Golden Age stuff looks like that Golden Age stuff I was complaining about in previous issues. Right. So those may have been. Um, you can tell that Macklin and Ordway worked in the same studio because Liberty Bell looks kind of consistent. Uh, especially on that first page. It kind of looks like Ordway. Uh, drew it. Though I, I do like the conversation between her and Wonder Woman. I also like the fact that she had Wonder Woman move Gurns back. That was kind of funny. Um, page three. Why is Hawkman reading from a scroll? I mean... <laughs> I, and that's why Dr. Fate looks like he's about to start laughing. It's just like, really? A scroll? God, I hate you. He's like, where did you get that? <laughs> Dr. Midnight's smiling, but that's because he thinks everyone else is smiling. So, there you go. Uh, I want Major McNichols to be played by Timothy Dalton. Like in The Rocketeer. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> um, I I like the fact that on page five we get For America and Democracy. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool. And then we get a little preachiness from Wonder Woman, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the Hawkman scene, kind of bored, though we get a total Jack Kirby fight scene here. Especially in the last panel of page seven, where he jumps at the guys and kicks them. I That is lifted directly from the first Captain America Tales of Suspense story. Yep. 
I mean, just directly. And you know what? There is such a Marvel vibe throughout this whole story. It's really weird. Um, you know, I mentioned like on page eight, it looks like a you know man the the black dragon dude looks like the Mandarin. So it's it's all the all of the page layouts and everything strike me as very Silver Age Marvel, which is kind of weird to see with the Justice Society. It works most of the time. And then some of the time it doesn't. Um, <laughs> I almost made a Hulk joke on page 13 when it said he was in the southwestern desert. <laughs> where suddenly the Hulk comes, oh, Hulk smash, flame-throwing tank. Um, page 14 with the Atom jumping into that room. Again, that looks like something from a Marvel comic. And I can't tell... I, I hate to say this, did they just kind of rip off a lot of Marvel artwork throughout this whole thing? That'd be kind of depressing to find out. It you know it does though. It does look like you know it does look that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, I really wanted on page fifteen the restaurant to be Club Obi Wan. <laughs> and you know it's not really subtle if you're trying to hide that you're a front for the Black Dragon Society to have the Black Dragon Society's logo on the front of the building. <laughs> secret hide, <laughs> secret hideout. Ten more miles this way. <laughs> I liked Maury. I liked Maury a lot because he's just as much of a butt kicker as the Adam is. And that's kind of cool to see. I liked the character. Um, the Johnny Thunder scene, again, if he would have killed him, I would have been like, oh, well, that's terrible. We really need to have a, we really need to have like a mixer or something. <laughs> yeah. Page 20, I like the shot of Wonder Woman in the last panel looking very bored as she's finishing the story. <laughs> oh, wow, I gotta finish this, right? Uh, page 21, while I agree with the sentiment, I completely agree with you in that I didn't need this shoved down my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a weird personality trait of mine. That I can agree with somebody preaching and go, dude, you just need to not do that right now. <laughs> this is not the time nor the place. I see where Thomas is going, especially with what he does on the next page. And really, when you think about it, it's kind of ballsy that he went here. Because this is not something that most people really like to remember. But at the same time... I think it's dealt with a lot better in Young All-Stars when a certain character actually leaves the group to join her family in one of the internment camps. And it was kind of an interesting uh, interesting storyline. Um, I got to the end of this story, and I was just like, I really don't know how to feel right now. I, I just had this really great Seven Soldiers of Victory story. I got a nice little fun little JSA story, and bam, right here at the end, we have an 80s, you know, very special issue of All-Star Squadron. And I don't quite know how to feel about it. I honestly don't. It's kind of weird. I just, I find it very odd that a man who is obviously very much endeared of this original source material that he's pulling these stories from, you know, whether it be all-star comics or leading comics or, you know, any of these things that he's referencing 
and sometimes he's he's so devoted and enamored of it that it's slavish in his retelling of it. Then he goes and, and is very selective and and um. I mean, it comes down to censorship. I mean, he himself admits that he hacked a lot of stuff out of the original tale that that he drew this from, you know, the original source material. And I just, I got to be, you know, I got to call a spade a spade. I I think that's a bit hypocritical, you know, that that yeah. you're going to be so devoted to this, yet when you don't like a sentiment that's, that's uh presented that you know you're you're gonna change it to to fit your own story or or your own uh personal <clears throat> excuse me personal politics i th- I think that's a, a little unfair i I think that does the original story a disservice you're either retelling that story or you're not i I don't think it's fair to take it and go well gee by today's Standards, you know this. This doesn't, you know, this isn't appropriate, or this is whatever. I, I think if you're going to present it, present it. Don't pussyfoot around and, and change the intent here. I, you know, I understand what he's going for. I just don't agree with it. I, I think that I think it does these characters a disservice to present them something other as what they were in the context of the both the original stories and the context of the time that this is supposed to be. Do I want the JSAers running around be a, being a bunch of racist jerks? No, I don't. But at the same rate, I mean, come on, let's face it, people felt a certain way in this country at the time this war was going on. And to change it to where everybody's you know, nice and PC and sensitive of, you know, the, the plight of, you know, people that, you know, were their enemies. It just doesn't ring. That's the biggest problem I have with it is it doesn't ring true. You know, to, to be fair um, and, and to kind of play devil's advocate for a minute or two, one Wonder Woman is the logical choice to buck that trend because she's not from this country. Um, she is the illogical choice to do this because she comes from a society that kind of doesn't like men in general. So it's just like, you guys are being mean to the Japanese, but men suck. (laughs) It it just doesn't make any sense to me. Also, to me, I liked the Adam kind of changing his mind, but only because he's actually teamed up with them. With with a with one of the is he a Nisei? I think he says he's a Nisei. Um, but at the same time, that's also like, wow! I didn't know you people were so good. Look at you helping me out. I could have been completely. That just that that that's even more insulting than saying the word Jap to me. You know, that's <laughs> that's like saying you know I don't really like black people, but I've worked with a few, and you know they're okay. It's just like no. No, that's stupid. That's BS. What are you talking about? Well, not to mention the fact that the Adam has his his great revelation simply by being told by a man who he's got, you know, this, you know, he's got by the neck. Hey, hey, I'm not one of those saboteur guys. I'm a good Japanese guy. I mean, come on. The guy's under duress. Of course, he's going to say anything that he needs to say to get the Adam to release him from this headlock that, that he's in. That was the end of the Adam because he then shot him in the stomach right. and died. No, I, I, 
but also, I mean, the Adam says at the end of this, he says, I learned there's virtually no sentiment among the Issei and Nisei for this blah, blah, blah. How, how does he know? He, he met one guy. <laughs> Again, that is why it's kind of ins- it's more insulting. Because it's just like, well, I didn't. I thought they were terrible until I met one of them. It's just like, well, weren't weren't they human before that? Right. I mean, because because I always thought they were human before that. You jackass. It, this is the preachiest issue that we've gotten so far. I can't say that it's the pre- preachiest issue we will ever get. No, I know uh, it's not. That's what worries me. <laughs> but, um. I think it's one of the things that you can... (laughs) Not that I want to forget about the internment of the Japanese during World War II, but this is a story you can kind of forget about. It really is. It has no bearing on the All-Star Squadron. And that's another thing that kind of bugged me about this issue in general, is that for, like, months now, comic book time, you know, publishing time, you know, we had the whole big thing with... You know the, the you know the Infinity Incorporated kids coming from the future, and you have the big fight against Ultra. You have all of that, and then it jumps into a boring two-parter with Doctor Fate and the Spectre. Then we get a really cool Seven Soldiers of Victory story, which was like, yes, this is great. And then we get this one. This is like, no. And but through all of that, even though I liked the seven soldiers of victory issue, it's just like, can we get back to Liberty bell and Johnny quick and robot man and the characters that I've really come to care about in this series? You know, I like the JSA. I mean, we wouldn't be doing a podcast if I didn't like the JSA. I mean, it's, it's obvious, but they're not to me, the stars of this series, right? It's Johnny and Robbie commander steel. Firebrand. Those are the people I'm interested in because those are the ones that Roy Thomas seems to have more of an emotional investment in because he's really either creating them or recreating them because there was scant, you know, source material to draw from. It's why I'm really looking forward to the next issue we cover. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode. It's going to be the next episode of the series. I don't know if it's coming next week because I don't know if we're planning on doing that uh, crisis counseling um, episode in between the two. Mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to the next time we talk about All-Star Squadron because not only do we get to talk about the All-Star Squadron, we get to see everybody. Right. And it's just awesome. But, you know, again, I agree with the sentiment of the story. You know, you and I probably slightly disagree on that. Don't know if it's really worth getting into a debate on on the show unless you really want to um no i you know i don't i don't think we need to necessarily get into that because i think that basically comes down to personal politics but that mm-hmm. is at the heart of my my beef with this is yeah. that i think that this is an instance where the writer is wearing his personal politics on his sleeve and i'm sorry but i hate that i hate when a writer has a political axe to grind and he's using this story, you know, and unless it's relevant to the story, you know, then, then that's one thing. But when it's just, they don't agree with, you know, in this case, what it comes down to is, is it's completely obvious that Thomas does not agree with what was done 
and he's using this story to to grind his axe and and make it like oh this was so horrible and you know this was wrong well that's your opinion dude and putting it out there like that and and, and making a blanket statement like this it, it's a little bit irritating because not everybody's going to agree with you i happen to be one of them that doesn't you know and it's as simple as that so i find it very grating because i think that this was something that was done that has come to thanks to I'm sure things like this being presented the way it's presented has, has come to, to get a, uh, I don't know. Now I'm getting into the, you know, risking getting into more of it than I really want to get into, but it basically comes down to that. I, I, I think he's wrong in this instance. I, you know, I don't like, uh, you know, rec- trying to retcon real events and, and spin them in a completely different way. The, you know, there have been plenty of things that have happened in history that may not be the most pleasant things to look back on, but you can't really go back and, and try to um, examine them with with uh, with the modern. You know, it's it's a little insulting to look back in them and and try to. Uh, take the modern sensibility or the modern outlook and, and try to uh, second guess decisions that were made at the time, especially when they were decisions that in a case like this saved the world. You know, I mean, it, it's as simple as that. And I think it's a little bit insulting. And, and in this case, you know, that this writer uh, takes that stance. I don't, I don't know. That's just, I don't know if I'm making a good case for it, but that's just how I feel. No, no, I, I think I think it's no, a little are. I think it's it's a little insulting to look back at this and go, you know, what what a horrible thing to have done. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a pleasant thing to be done. Was it a tough decision? I'm sure it was. But at the end of the day, did it help? You know, did it did it help us get to where we are today? Did it help us win that war? I believe that it did. Well, you see and like I said before, the funny thing is, is that while I disagree with m- many of your points, what I will agree with is we don't need this here, right? You know, it, it's it's uh, it's it's not. I am all for a writer expressing their opinions, no matter what way they want to express it. You know, unless they're advocating child porn. I'm pretty much okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that I want to read it. Right. And and I'm not saying that if I read a comic like this, that I just want, I just, I just want to see them guys in the tights fight each other, and I don't need no story. Because that's not true at all. I want to be engaged. And I want... My wife is laughing at me right now like you wouldn't believe. Um, but... I want to be engaged, and I want thought-provoking stories that get me thinking about certain topics. But there are times where I'm like, you know what? I just kind of want to see the Justice Society whoop up on somebody. So, I think thought-provoking is one thing. I think um, preaching at and misrepresentation is something completely different. And in this case, I think Thomas misrepresents history and that's my that's ultimately my problem with it yeah I'm not going to get into it too much deeper than that (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be a really really bad idea Um, 
But, you know, not the worst issue we've read of this series by any stretch of the imagination. It was more entertaining than the Spectre Dr. Fate story. I'll have to say that. Because I hated that story. (laughs) You know how much it hurts to actually say that? Because I love this series so much. I didn't hate it. I just found it to be largely forgettable and, and easily ignored. Yeah, I'll go with that, too. (laughs) um ads this time out a lot of repeat ads there was only a few that i really wanted to talk about unless there was some that you really liked because uh i don't really care about the you know dungeons and dragons video game ad or cubert there is a spider-man ad in here with the uh one million dollar christmas rebate spectacular it's got redneck santa (laughs) <laughs> that is right next Santa. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Give me a beer. Then again, my family was the family that left chips and beer out for Santa, not cookies and milk. So, because Dad liked to have a few when he was wrapping presents. Uh, we got a Power Lords video game ad. I'm sure it was just as exciting and wonderful as the comic book and the toy line. If anybody's ever left out hookers and blow for Santa. Are you proposing this for next year? No, no. (laughs) I'm just asking a question. Very nice Garcia Lopez Atari Force ad. Uh, I do like that. But to me, it's not even an ad. It's a subscription offer. That Infinity Incorporated thing on the last page is very awesome. Yeah. I really like it. I am so looking forward to reading that first story again. Because the Generation Saga is awesome. And we'll be able to say this story was reprinted here. (laughs) For a change. For a change. It'll be so nice. Because they're only going up to issue 18 in the uh, showcase. Which is still a good clip. And actually probably the best time to cut it off because then you're getting deep into the Ultra storyline. So you don't want to leave that as a cliffhanger. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You got anything? No, that's pretty much it. Alrighty. Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. What do we got this time? We got a lot of good here. Got the a lot uh, of good. Batman 368 with uh, the new Robin. Which, if everything works out, uh, you and I will be talking about over at Bailey's Batman Podcast. We will? Yes, we will. Oh, awesome. You don't remember me asking you. No, you? I guess I don't. Okay, very good. <laughs> that sounds cool to me. Hey, we got a new Robin. Let's have him fight somebody awesome like Crazy, Crazy. Quill in Detective <laughs> Let's go pick on the cripple. <laughs> Let's go pick on the cripple. No, seriously, I had the Batman source book that had Crazy Quilt uh, entry in it. My sister Jane read it. She goes, so he's a blind guy that Robin beats up? Hey, Batman, let's go pick on the cripple. <laughs> For like days. Not even kidding. I... What? Which one? Uh, I was about to say DC Comics Presents number 66 looks kind of awesome. But I like the demon, like, a lot. So... Uh, I don't know about that one, dude. It's like Superman and the demon versus Moses? Blackbriar Thorn. Yeah, I know. I just don't like that cover. It's... I don't know. Okay. It could be awesome. Who does the uh, who does the interior? Let's see who's the interior artist on this. Ooh, it's Joe Gubert. 
Okay. I don't know about that. I Tajana Wood is the colorist. <laughs> I do like uh, the cover to uh, Fury of Firestorm number mm-hmm. twenty. That's cool. You know, I learned. I remembered something the other day. I was reminded something thanks to uh, Shag over at the Fire and Water podcast that the uh, the uh, Killer Frost in Crisis was not the original Killer Frost, right? I had totally forgotten that. Yeah, she died and got replaced. Although, I mean, come on, it's it's one of those things that's easy to forget because they were the exactly costume. the same character. <laughs> it was kind of stupid, yeah. Well, the uh, preaching continues in Green and Lantern, Green Arrow, number five. And I love this cover. My ward, Speedy, is Jimmy Olsen? <laughs> I love that. I never thought about that, but it does look like... Wow. That's funny. I like the cover to New Teen Titans 39 where Robin says to Speedy, let's take off all our clothes and walk away together. (laughs) And if you think I'm exaggerating, I'm not. I like the fact that the Robin costume's hanging on the T. Yeah. It's a a neat little thing. I love this cover to New Adventures of Superboy number 50. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With Starboy and... um, wildfire surrounding i think that's keith giffen yeah it is yep it's and really nice standing on the uh, dial for dial h for lame ass. <laughs> <Yeah, I'm> <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry scott i uh i seem to have lost you there for a little while you mentioned dial h for here <laughs> Now it's like it's, that episode of The Greatest American Hero where Agent Maxwell fell asleep every time someone said the word scenario. It's the same thing with Dial H for Hero. In <laughs> fact, they both end with O, so there you go. As as cool as I think that uh, Giffen cover is on the New Adventures of Superboy, though, I do Ooh. not like his cover on Legion of Superheroes. No, that's... <sighs> wow. Boy, uh, Monel, you may want to lay off the donuts. And that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> and I'm I'm of a theory that I don't know who is copying who, but I have a theory that one of these days I'm going to sit down and do like a serious examination and present my evidence for this. But either Jonah Hex was copying covers from the further adventures of Indiana Jones over at Marvel or that title <laughs> was copying Jonah Hex. Because there are a hell of a lot of those covers that look like each other, and this is a perfect example because there's a there's an Indiana Jones cover where he's looking up at like a dragon shadow or something, and it's it's almost exactly the same as this goofy looking like giant pigeon one with with Jonah. I don't care for this cover at all. Justice League of America number two twenty three, dude. Superman is about to knock you out. <laughs> That's actually a good cover, despite the yes. fact that they're fighting these goofy animal men. Yeah, but, but Superman's about to... Wow, that is so awesome. Aquaman is knocking out a rhin- uh, rhinoceros. Come on, that's cool. <laughs> Aquaman versus rhinoceros man. Now, uh, this is something i got to dig out and re-examine one of these days. I've been meaning to do a podcast about it forever and a day, and i gotta, I got to dig up my buddy uh, Will Sanchez to get this done. But uh, Nathaniel Dusk, dude, that was a great mini. Yeah, I still need to read it. 
It's really, really good. If you like like '30s qua- uh, crime noir type of stuff, you, you'll. Dig. I thought you were about to say '30s quantum leap. <laughs> like, that would say, be kind of interesting. Crime noir. It sounds like <laughs> sound like Elmer Fudd. Crime, no crime noir. It it is really good stuff. Beautiful, beautiful uh, Gene Colan art in that. Saga of the Swamp Thing number twenty one. Won the anatomy lesson. Yes, yes. Finally got that game changer. Yes, it was. Complete game changer. Good issue, too. I like it. I do not like the cover, though. It kind of belies the uh, the importance of the issue, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's not dynamic. It, it owes too much back to the crappiness that, uh, that came before it. You know what I mean? Star Trek, number one. Yeah, you're this, never going to talk about that. Yeah, this was a big, big deal. Good issue, too. Really. And one of the few merchandised comics that DC was able to pull off with any kind of regularity and 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 regularity not only in publishing but in quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't all good, as you have found out time and again. Uh, I just but, wish that the uh, the promo poster was this picture instead of the one that they actually went with because this is a great Perez mm-hmm. cover. But the thing is, is, and I think we've mentioned this on previous episodes, I love the fact that Marvel had Star Wars and DC had Star Trek. Because mm-hmm. it just furthered that divide, that, right. you know, that versus. And, 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 you know, as we've also talked about on many a podcast, you know, I like Star Trek and Star Wars. I don't see where you have to hate one to like the other. But I also kind of miss the rivalries. So there's always something fun about a rivalry. Uh, Supergirl number 16, if I am correct, this is the issue where Ambush Bug thinks that Superman has been exposed to red kryptonite and that that's why Supergirl is a woman. (laughs) He's absolutely convinced that Supergirl is Superman after some horrible accident. (laughs) Ah, I like Ambush Bug. Oh, Vartox and Superman, yay. Dude, put some clothes on. Why did they ever have to make that movie? I'm, I'm serious. I'm asking. Why? Why, God? Why? That's a great Wonder Woman cover. I don't know what disturbs me more. Vartox or that cover to Thriller number four? That's not right. Thrill me! <laughs> World's so, Finest 300. Man, this has got everybody in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, we're a book that barely people pay attention to. You like those outsiders? All of a sudden, I want that uh, the announcer voice from the Nerd Rodica. And I got more superheroes here than you can shake a stick at. You want your Green Lantern? I got your right Green Lantern right freaking here. <laughs> I wonder if this is any good, because, man, there is some talent on this issue. Uh, yes. Writer, oh, it's got David Anthony Kraft, so. <laughs> You're great at interviewing, not so much at the comic book writing, but it's got Mike W. Barr and Marv Wolfman, Ross Andrew, Mark Texiera, and Sal Amendola. Yeah, I like him. Inker Klaus Jansen, Robert R. Smith, uh, Rick Mygar, R- Frank McLaughlin, and Rodin Rodriguez. Artist, George Perez. Mm-hmm. And, um... I know I have this. I just can't remember if it's any good or not. Maybe we'll have to dig it out at some point. Read it together. 
like story time with Uncle Scott. Something tells me it's probably not though, because it you know, because yeah. it's got can't, well, because this is world's finest from this time. Period. <laughs> exactly, it's world's finest from this time period. Plus, it's got so many awesome characters in it that something tells me it probably was not very good. Because this is just one of those eras where, sadly, that that was usually the case where. They would throw everything and the kitchen sink in, and you would think, "Oh, this has got to be awesome." And then you read it and be like, "Meh." But it's got like it's got the Outsiders, it's got the Justice League, and it has the new Teen Titans in it. So you'd be like, "Oh, this should be really mega awesome." But it seems like if it was, I'd remember it, and I can't remember a thing about it, which is also problematic <laughs> if you can't remember a thing about it. So. And then you got yeah. Vigilante's about to get kicked in the boys by a cyborg on the cover of his own magazine. Well, at least it's not a guy with che- with spears that he then chucks. <laughs> this is true. Oh my god, I can't believe they got away with that. <laughs> Did you? No, really? No. You know, the next time Wolfman comes to Dragon Con, should I be a? Would I be a jerk to ask him about it? I think you should just open the book up, point to that panel, and go. Can you can you sign this for me, please? And just wait for the reaction. No, it's just like actually. Can I get an explanation about this written and have it on my desk by eight a.m. tomorrow, please? Because <laughs> I thought you guys were supposed to be liberals. <laughs> I need to hunt up my buddy Fuquan at uh, that that works in uh, in monorails and have him go in there with that <laughs> issue and go hey what what the hell's this all about cuz he would do it just to get a you know just for cuz he would he he's got a great sense of humor he would do it and really mess with him cuz he's humongous and would scare the crap out of anybody but i mean he could totally pull that face off of just being like what 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 is this i think that could be hysterical <laughs> And the camera pans over to you and I in the corner, just dying. <laughs> He's doing it. I can't believe it. Not, no, that, good not that I want to scare uh, George Perez into a heart attack or anything, you know, but still. <laughs> it could be fine. <laughs> that would be terrible. Ah, Good month, though. It was a good month. There's a lot of good stuff that came out this month. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting more and more into that. I think the deeper we get into... The 80s, the more you and I are going to, especially when we hit about 86, mm-hmm. when I've read most of it, it's going to be, we might as well just do the Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics <laughs> podcast, where we look at a month of covers and talk about them for a half hour. Well, sir, I think that brings us to the end. Uh, next time, are we doing the crisis counseling or are we going to continue with All-Star Squadron? I don't know. I'm I'm torn. We'll have to figure that out. Because mm-hmm. there's 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 pros and cons to both. Because we can't because we would have to wait to do the crisis counseling for another couple issues because it's an extended storyline. So, is that yeah, we'll figure? Yeah, it's it, it goes at least into the next issue. Yeah, but see, I'm I'm not my plan for those was not to cover the storyline so much as just to cover the issues that actually have the monitor. No, 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 no. The All Star Squadron issue. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Starts a storyline. I 
Yeah, I'm with you. I don't care if <laughs> I don't care if it's part 16 of a 25 part epic. I mean, we're just gonna we're gonna cover it and talk about the monitor and wet it, wipe it, good night. So, alrighty, we've got ending speak that I will do this time because I have it queued up. So. Sure. Well, that is it for this week, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to visit our website at www.twotruefreaks.lipson.com more exciting podcasts featuring both Scott and myself, as well as several other sad and pathetic human beings who've got nothing better to do with their time but talk into a microphone. Join our forum at www.forumforgeeks.com where you can comment on this week's show and and interact with us and your fellow listeners. We have built a great, fun, and friendly community there, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. As always, you can reach us by email at talesofthejsa at gmail.com, unless you're dirty spammers, in which case, stop! And of course, Scott and I are both on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, if you enjoy this show, won't you please take a moment to mention us on the social networking site of your choice whenever you're listening? Word of mouth is still the best to let others know about our show, and we really appreciate your helping to grow our listenership And remember, hashtag Tales of the JSA. Thank you so much for listening, folks, and be sure to join us again next time for the Tales of the Justice Society of America. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we go to meet the foe. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we get the Alamo. We will always remember how they died for liberty. Let's remember Pearl Harbor and go on 